Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission's second installment of Instant Reaction, where we will be covering our quick and off-the-cuff thoughts and feelings about the recent 2022 theatrical release, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. My name is Dayton, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi! And for those of you who may have missed our previous episode of Instant Reaction, where we give our gave our thoughts and opinions of a fan-made film titled Legend, a Dragon Ball tale by Studio Stray Dog, go and listen to it. It was a lot of fun and sets the stage for the instant reaction format that we're currently getting settled into. But with that out of the way, was there anything you wanted to add before we got started, Todd? No, I'm just excited to talk about Superhero. All right, perfect. Well, we've got just a whole bunch to dive into, so let's go ahead and dive into the overall story of this movie. And I want to make one thing clear. This is going to be full of spoilers, so you have been warned if you have not seen the movie. Well, you should probably see it, or if you don't care about spoilers, I guess proceed on. Yeah, yeah, this is spoiler heavy. I mean, we're talking about the story. Dayton's going to try to keep me on track, because I could gush about this movie for about another three hours. But... Basically, we start off in Dragon Ball Super Superhero uh, just as a quick precursor. I think this is a jump forward in time from the end of Dragon Ball Super. I think it's about three year jump forward. So which means we've got a young pan at about three years old. And this movie doesn't necessarily put her in the forefront, but it does put our favorite Namekian Piccolo in the forefront as he trains Pan, which is adorable. I love it. It's fantastic. I do love that right off the bat, we're seeing just such strong, I'm going to call it throwbacks and fan service where it's Piccolo with one of Goku's lineage, uh, training them up and preparing them. And right off the bat, we're kind of seeing that like, uh, Videl is super busy and Gohan's super busy and they're both living like like quite hectic lifestyles, but they're, you know, busy with their jobs and stuff like that. And it seems to be kind of left up to to Piccolo to once again be in charge of the Rugrat. I mean, not only training Pan, which he does do, but also Gohan and Videl ask Piccolo to pick Pan up from school because they're both too busy, which is, I mean, Piccolo's... I mean, while he is the best dad in Dragon Ball, he's also, I mean, he's just a warrior. Like, he's not a hes not a true parent. Uh, so he's kind of getting stuck doing the parent's job here. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, Piccolo is pretty much fighting it the entire time and saying all the things that I think fans would be saying. Like, don't you have time for your kid? Why am I picking up your kid? And I don't know, it's everything right off the bat. I think it was kind of setting the stage and making you aware that this this is going to be a little bit more of a, a lighthearted movie. And I think with the kind of the initial showing of Piccolo and kind of Pan running around being a super-powered infant or however old she is, I don't know. Like, it's it's letting you know that things aren't going to be super serious, this movie. And honestly, I'm glad they... they went this direction because it, it pans out really well as we go further into it. I like that intentional pan pun slipped in there. <laughs> you saw that. The, yeah, I agree. This, 
this movie is a welcome departure from the tone that we get in some of the other movies. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we move forward. But there are a lot of really great little details in here. I'm going to try not to get stuck in the weeds about that too much, but pan giving piccolo water because pan understands that piccolo only needs water to survive. Uh, pan is absolutely adorable and fantastic, which is a great departure from GT pan who was obnoxious. And we kind of move forward with the story as we learn a little bit about who's going to be our antagonists here. And we get to meet Carmine and Magenta of the Red Ribbon Army. So we're getting outing number three for the Red Ribbon Army. And I don't think it's going to go very well for them this time, just like the other two. No, and there's a lot of imagery that they reuse from the original Red Ribbon Army with Commander Red being kind of this Napoleon-type figure who's very short and, I guess, insecure about himself, but is also like a tyrant. And Magenta fills those shoes pretty much exactly. Yeah, if I remember right, I think that Magenta is... It's a small detail, but I think Magenta is actually uh, Commander Red's son. And there's even a little detail, I believe, or maybe it's even just a fan theory, but I believe that uh, it's implied that Commander Red and Violet from the Red Ribbon Army were the parents of Magenta. Also, you know, combining violet and red getting magenta oh that's great i don't know anything about colors so then thank you (laughs) yeah happy to help and i also i think this would be a good time to point out that we have not really done any post movie research or anything like that this is we've seen it in theaters and we are just talking about it so and we do plan on at some point in the future doing a more in-depth breakdown and so this is just As the name implies, this is our instant reaction to what we saw in the theater. So we're going to be glossing over quite a bit in this. Yeah, I will try not to get stuck in the details, but there's a lot of really fun stuff in this movie. Uh, As we kind of move forward with the the Red Ribbon Army, they are, I mean, once again, basically the Red Ribbon Army is keen on kind of taking over the world or controlling the world, turning it into their ideal version of the world. And to do so, Magenta and his underling Carmine have been doing some digging on information about one Dr. Hedo. And this is the grandson of Dr. Zero, who created Android 17, 18, and Cell. And so we kind of get introduced to this. He's, he's kind of a prodigy when it comes to robotics, right? Yeah, and I think they mentioned in, in, in the movie that I think he got his first uh, like college degree or MD or something like that when he was like 14 or something like that. So he's... Kind of like a, I, I guess like somewhere between, I don't know, 15 and 17 or something like that. He seems like he's like a young adult, but not quite an adult. Yeah, I I think he might even be in his early 20s, but. Oh, is he? He? <laughs> he was not he was not portrayed that way, considering uh, the sugary snacks that he would indulge in. 
I know, I know. I I think he's supposed to be in his early 20s, but yeah, he's not only visually, he kind of looks childish, but he also acts kind of childish as well. That's pretty but, funny, because typically, in my experience, a, a lot of anime portray, um, I guess, young adults as much older than I think they would be. There's usually this kind of like, oh, wow, you're 16 and you know, you're six and a half feet tall and built like a brick house. Yeah, it's pretty common. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they're almost going a, a slightly different direction this time with Dr. Hedo. And he he's got a bit of a childish demeanor with him enjoying his they look like Oreos. He loves cookies. Uh but he basically gets pulled out of prison. He got put into prison because he had dug up some dead bodies and turned them into androids cyborgs whatever you want to call them and had them running a convenience store so that he could make some extra cash and work on some of his other projects uh but magenta and carmine catch dr hedo as soon as he gets released from prison and they have a proposal for him in the form of creating some high-tech powerful androids for the red ribbon army yeah and Hedo is pretty much only concerned with building the world's greatest android. It, it's he's pretty clear about that, but he also reveals that he kind of has an obsession with superheroes and he wants to fight bad guys. And Magenta is more or less massaging all the words that he's using to make it seem like like no, he he is the good guy and they are going to do good. And this is where we get this tale, this kind of wife's tale about the briefs family and their secret operations to utilize aliens to take over the world and i thought this was a hilarious hilarious plot i loved it man this is brilliant to be honest when they started explaining this when magenta started kind of flipping the z fighters on their heads for the uninitiated for somebody who is completely unfamiliar with these super powered figures who have been fighting to protect the world. I mean, it, Dr. Hedo's never had any interaction with these people. He's probably only seen kind of the aftermath of these events. And, and he's like heard of the red ribbon army and he kind of knows like rumors and stuff like that about the stuff that they've done. Right. And so the way that Magenta spins it is that Balma as the head of this evil organization through capsule corp has these aliens working for her who are attempting to take over the world and dr zero and the red ribbon army created cell to fight this evil organization <laughs> and to keep them from having their way with the world this is fantastic i love this twist on the story it's so fun and Hedo just kind of buys into it. And honestly, it's kind of a believable story. And it's, what do they say? It's it's a truthful story, but a dishonest story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just kind of weaving it into a tale, just flipping a few details, changing the roles a little bit, which I really, really enjoyed. And as a result, Magenta and Carmine are able to get Dr. Hedo on board with this new project and we kind of quickly get to see i think we skip forward in time a little bit as 
we get to see Piccolo meditating and gets attacked by one of these new androids. This, what we quickly find out, his name is Gamma 2. And he is a, he's an interesting character to say the least. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's one kind of alien looking with um, two like fins over his head and he's obviously not human. And he's doing like these kind of, and that was a quick audio hiccup. Um, so Piccolo is attacked by Gamma 2, and Gamma 2 is a very interesting character. Uh, all of his attacks are way over the top. There's almost like a, a Ginyu Force level of, I guess, cringiness to him, whatever you want to call it, flair over the topness. Fabulousness. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, and there's even a point where they're exchanging blows, and Gamma 2 lands like a couple kapow, blammo hits. And it has like this comic book background where it actually says like Kaplow and Piccolo even makes mention. Why can I see <laughs> the, the noise effect of his attacks or something like that? It is hilarious. It's phenomenal. I absolutely love it. And it's obviously it's got that very over the top comic book superhero feel to it. And Gamma 2 is very, he's hes basically trying to be like, oh, you don't know who I am, but I'm here to fight you. And he even addresses Piccolo as Demon King Piccolo, because this is kind of the, again, we're going to find out moving forward that this is the tale that Magenta and the Red Ribbon Army are weaving, is that, I mean, they've, they've got some justifications behind this story of Balma and her friends being the bad guys, because... Piccolo used to be Demon King Piccolo. He tried to take over the world. I mean, Vegeta tried to destroy the world. Majin Buu is friends with all of them. He nearly destroyed the world. So it's a bunch of these scary alien people who are all part of the same group and are now good guys? Question mark? The majority of the the Z fighters were bad guys at some point right like even looking at tn was a bad guy <laughs> right Yamcha was a bad guy yeah all on you know those guys on smaller scale but they kind of turned over to the good side and so our fight between gamma and piccolo gamma is gamma 2 is strong he he sticks it to piccolo pretty readily even going so far as to fire a key blast through his little laser gun and I, lo- I love that detail that they don't fire key blasts; they fire key guns. It's so cool. Yeah, the fact that they concentrate their key through the gun is really cool to me too, because it's not just a gun that has you know a certain level of power or whatever, but super fun and flashy. And the fight kind of ends with Piccolo. I mean, Gamma Two believes that he's destroyed Demon King Piccolo. But we find as the audience that Piccolo kind of dashed away from the attack at the last second. And then we get Piccolo taking a page from Krillin's book and we get stealth mode Piccolo. Yes, we get the the giant green man kind of tailing Gamma 2 on his way back to the Red Ribbon hideout. And it's kind of neat because when Gamma two shows up, he's kind of like the, the cool guy of the group. People are giving him high fives and he's like this kind of this rock star of the, the facility. And I, I don't know. It's just a nice detail because it, it really says about a lot about his character that you'll find out later on. 
but it's one of those things I thought back on and said, that was actually a nice little detail there. Um, but Piccolo shows up and immediately does the old D and D knock out a guy, put on his clothes. We're going in. And we find this big, just hustling and bustling facility. That's kind of cloaked by some sort of weird, uh, invisible bubble shield or whatever. And this facility's huge. And Piccolo sneaks the whole way through it, and he finally gets into, like, I don't know, the main guard room where Magenta is and Gamma 2's there. And we find out that there's a Gamma 1, so there's two of these mysterious fighters. And then this is where we see um, uh, Hedda, right? Hedda, right, yeah. Hedda, yes. Yeah, so we find that Gamma 1 and Gamma 2 were created by Dr. Hedda, which... Makes sense. Uh, Piccolo steals a guard's outfit. He's infiltrated them. He's he's just kind of listening to their plan. And he finds out all of this information about this story that has been fed to Dr. Hedo and these androids about our Z fighters and them being the bad guys. And Piccolo also kind of gets the the real story behind things, finding that the Red Ribbon Army is up to their old shenanigans and just trying to gain power, basically trying to squeeze people where they can. And so the next step for the Red Ribbon Army is to deal with Gohan. And they decide that the best way to do that is to kidnap his daughter, bring her back to the Red Ribbon facility so that they can fight Gohan on their home turf and kind of show them who's boss. Yes. And there's almost a level of comedy to this because it's, they obviously don't know who they're dealing with and they're going to send grunt a and grunt B to go steal pan. And (laughs) if that were to happen, I don't think it would have been successful at all. Considering how strong that Saiyan child is. It's, I mean, we get to see it, right? It's brilliant. Uh, And we'll kind of speed through here since this is just one of our, since this is our instant reaction uh, format, I'm I'm getting stuck in the weeds because I love this movie. (laughs) But basically, Piccolo volunteers to be one of the Grunt 1 and Grunt 2. And so he goes to pick up Pan with the other Grunt. The other Grunt, this big, burly, but otherwise pretty normal dude, uh, walks up to Pan, says, hey, we're here to pick you up. Pan, sensing the stranger danger, gives him a single hit to the gut, knocks him the fuck out. <laughs> and then and people Piccolo, are like gathering around and looking and trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. Pan's just standing there with her teacher. And then Piccolo runs up in his Red Ribbon Army regalia and it's like, oh, you know, uh, the way he addresses the teacher is hilarious to me. He's like, hey, Janet, sorry about this. You know, this is just a training exercise for Mr. Satan's granddaughter. <laughs> uh, it's so fun. And I mean, it's what else can you say? Right. Like as far as on the spot goes, I, I guess I'd buy that excuse. Everything involving that child is probably not normal. No, absolutely not. I mean, she gets picked up on a regular basis by a big green man with antenna. So uh, weird shit happens, I guess. (laughs) And I guess in the Dragon Ball universe, Piccolo is definitely not the weirdest thing I've seen walking around. So I guess I can accept that. 
Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, you at one point had animal people and and dinosaurs and all kinds of stuff. So whatever. It's a green man. (laughs) We get to see kind of Piccolo's plan, which is he's going to get Pan to go along with the kidnapping to try and motivate Gohan to stop like slacking on his training to get more involved again. And so he tells Pan, all right, you know, put on these handcuffs and just pretend like you're being hurt and you're you, you don't want to do this. And so she goes along with it. And Piccolo, we get to see a nice throwback where Piccolo gets to drive something and uh, it, he doesn't drive very well. It's such a good throwback, right? Like and it's it's a throwback to a a filler episode that people just love for whatever reason, because seeing Goku and piccolo try to drive a car is is ridiculous and piccolo driving that air that airship uh yeah i don't know what to call it well airplane airplane yeah uh and just plowing it through a sign is is fantastic even the way he grips the steering wheel with like two big fingers (laughs) is hilarious i love the characterization for piccolo in this movie well you gotta think too look at how powerful he is and that steering wheel is made for normal human hands <laughs> yeah plus he's he's very large he's got to be a good seven eight feet tall at least and he's then, a big you know, boy he's definitely a big green boy yeah so it, it's very fun and he basically gets pan in on this plan and says hey i need you to act like you are the damsel in distress in this scenario but you can get yourself out of this scenario at any time you want. I know you're strong enough to do so. Here's some handcuffs. If you need to break them, do it. And she goes along with it. She does the acting and the fake tears and stuff, and she's having a good time. And they, they arrive back at the red ribbon base and they decide that what they're going to do is now send these same two thugs to go tell Gohan that his child was stolen. And this must be the worst, the worst hatch planned ever, <laughs> at least from the eyes of those would be henchmen. What a beautiful scene as Piccolo and Grunt A make their way to the to Gohan's window and the Grunt first threatens him with a gun. Gohan gives no shits, flicks the gun away as if it's an ant. And then the Grunt shows the video of Pan kind of crying out, acting like she's in danger. And then Gohan just charges up in a rage, going into Super Saiyan, creating a crater in the ground by his house. And uh, I mean, this guy is, I, I'm surprised. I would not be surprised if he wet himself. Like Those pants were soiled. I don't, beautiful. I, there's no way they're not. <laughs> yeah, beautiful scene. It's so well done. So yeah, we get to see the explosive just rage and passion out of Gohan. And from here, we're kind of like on a, a crash course to the, I guess you could call it the final fight at this point. It, it, I think this movie actually gets to the action fairly quickly, which is nice. Yeah, I, I think one detail actually, I can't remember the order of operations, but one detail we might have forgotten is Piccolo realizes how powerful these androids are, and he thinks that he needs a power-up. And so he gets the Dragon Balls from Balma, uh, summons Shenron, and asks Shenron to unlock his potential, like Gohan and Krillin had theirs unlocked. He wishes for a Toriyama tune-up, is what he does. Yeah, which... This is one of the... I have some problems with this film. 
overall, it's very, very good. This is one of the problems that I have with it in that Dragon Ball is very much about effort and training. And then this time they give Piccolo not one, but two transformations based on a wish from Shenron. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, my thing is, is that I think Piccolo is pretty much always shown that in, in his spare time, he's always training. So I don't know why we haven't seen really the payoff to that. If you want to use this as the, the scapegoat or whatever, he's somebody who should be strong. He is always training. Now, mind you, and I think we've discussed this sort of thing before. A lot of other characters have mentors or a teacher or somebody who can bring them to that next level. I do think that could be something that's kind of, I guess, impeding Piccolo's advancement. At this point, just say that, you know, Shenron is Piccolo's mentor. Bam, we're done. He gifted him a bunch of knowledge and stuff. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing. I do, though, I love the way that Shenron and Piccolo interact here because Shenron's like, oh, it's you, my man, Piccolo. <laughs> <laughs> like, I will not only unlock your potential, but I will give you something extra on top of that. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a Key and Peele skit that, that I could reference, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but yes, it's 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 the... Oh, yeah, like we've got that Namekian bond sort of thing or we know each other The like it's a little bit more personal between Piccolo and and Shenron. And also, how many times can you think of that Piccolo has actually made a wish? Yeah, I, very few, if if any, that I can think of. But I mean, Piccolo, at least as Kami, literally created Shenron. So the fact that Shenron gives Piccolo a little bit of favoritism here is not only does it make sense, but. It's great. It's great characterization for both of them. I love it. And I mean, it's a good nod to actually kind of paying attention to the lore, right? Like that's something that I would have overlooked, but they, it, it's those little details like that, that I really appreciate. That's that little thing that makes me go, oh yeah, yeah, that would work like that. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. I'm, I'm getting us bogged down in the details again because I just love that little detail, but <laughs> we kind of move forward as Piccolo gets his tune up and uh, Gohan arrives at the Red Ribbon base with uh, Red Ribbon Army Piccolo and Pan is captured. And we get a beautiful shot of Gohan just exploding his way out of the plane, flying in, hitting the ground with like a sweet superhero landing. And the scene also has the rain. So I think they were really flexing their 3D muscles here for the animation as Gohan's aura just blasts the rain away and then it continues to fall down on him. Such a beautiful scene. It's this scene is honestly, there are a couple parts of this whole, I'm going to call it the final fight. There's a couple final fights, but we'll, we'll say final fight one. Um, that actually look pretty well. And I'll get into um, like the animation and that sort of stuff a little later, but yeah, there's definitely some, some nice scenic shots that they've, they've gotten away with really well with Gohan showing up to the scene. And then you also have this, the way that it's shot. Gohan is almost always kind of looked down on by the gammas, by the red ribbon army. They have like this big fortress that's looking down on him when he shows up. And it kind of sets the stage that it's this Gohan versus the world sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's really well done. It almost has some imagery like in the original Saiyan saga with Vegeta standing above Goku, which is really cool. But 
the fight starts with Gohan now having to fight Gamma One, and Gamma One is the more serious of the two androids. And Gohan seems to be doing okay at first, but Gamma One really picks up on his fighting style. And with Gohan in, I honestly don't know if it's Super Saiyan One or Super Saiyan Two at this point. It's it's so hard to tell the difference, and I don't think they had the lightning to signify the difference. Um, but in Gohan, in whatever Super Saiyan form he's in, he's no match for Gamma One. And so Piccolo decides, I'm going to threaten Pan, and that'll really get Gohan <laughs> charged up. Yeah, and so we get uh, Pan kind of, you know, being told to, you know, it's just acting, just yell out in pain, like just scream or whatever. And she lets out this, you know, this guttural scream for help as Piccolo, you know, in full red ribbon attire, mind you, holds up uh, Gohan's daughter. And this, you know, this gets the age old Saiyan, I guess, rage trigger that pushes Gohan to that next level. I also love that Piccolo has no moral like (laughs) like like care about abusing Gohan's, I guess, morals to get him to go to the next level. This, I mean, this whole story is hilarious. Like the idea that Pan and Piccolo are kind of in on this scheme together to get Gohan to be, uh, to be more of a fighter, more of a warrior. It's great. And so Gohan goes from his super Saiyan form to his mystic or ultimate form with the black hair. And he, he seems like he has an upper hand at this point against Gamma One. Uh, and so Magenta tells Gamma Two to get out there and help Gamma One. And Piccolo's like, uh-uh, you ain't interrupting this fight. You're fighting me. We are dance partners here now, buddy. <laughs> I do like that Piccolo waited until the last possible moment to kind of enter the fight. I mean, honestly, it's if Gohan would have gotten his, his butt really kicked, I wonder how far Piccolo would have let it go before he would have stepped in. Because I think this this whole thing is just Piccolo trying to teach Gohan. That's his whole motivation. Even though this could be a a life or death situation for the Earth, we don't know. He's like, nah, this is a learning moment. Yeah, I mean, these, these androids are clearly stronger than Piccolo, clearly stronger than Gohan, up until the point that he uses his most powerful transformation to date. And even then, they're still comparable, so it, you don't know what's going to happen here. But Piccolo is having a hard time against Gamma 2, so he transforms into this, I don't even know what to call it, uh, potential unlocked Piccolo, where he's got a little bit more of a golden yellow hue and he doesn't have the lines on his arms anymore. And so that's his first transformation in this fight. And then, honestly, he quickly just doubles down. And he, he his first transformation is not good enough. And so we get a scene of him, uh, like, remembering that Shenron said there was more to the, the boost that he gave him. And we get a beautiful shot of this tree outlining itself on the back of his gi and the trees supposed to represent the trees on Namek, which I thought was a great detail. And then he transforms into this big hulked out form with orange skin. Even his antenna look like they're buff and standing upward. (laughs) And he completely no sells the attacks as Gamma two comes in for a bunch of punches and Piccolo just knocks him into next week. He's also quite a bit more orange in this new form. 
Yeah. I mean, we're going to get to it. He he literally calls it Orange Piccolo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, you got to name your form. He's like, ah. I don't know. Call it Orange Piccolo. <laughs> I yeah, love Pic- that he just does not care. He's all business. Yeah, he, he does not care for any flashy names or anything like that. It it feels very Piccolo. It feels very appropriate for him. But we get the the fighting kind of continuing, and as things are starting to kind of look bleak for the Red Ribbon Army, and things are kind of the the fight's not really going their way. This is where we get. Uh, Magenta rushing to activate kind of their their ace in the hole. And this ace in the hole is a brand new version of Cell. But this version, however, is not fully complete. There's not, as far as the, the brains of the operation goes, they're not all in place. And Hedo's been telling Magenta that it's not ready, it's not time, and those two have kind of an altercation. And... Magenta is is stung by some poison, but right before he's able to to die, I guess, he smashes the button and this incomplete what I can only describe as supercell is released from his cage. Yeah. I mean they they call him Cell Max, and he's he's not like the original cell. In fact, he's he's almost like the semi-perfect cell form, except he's got more of a red coloration. And he's also a fucking kaiju monster. He's huge. <laughs> yes, he's v- like just this reckless, monstrous killing machine. And while this is happening, we kind of get some dialogue between the Gammas and and uh, Gohan and Piccolo, where they they start kind of discussing, I guess, their their differences or their understanding of things. As the Gammas kind of think about it, like what we thought we were the good guys because they were kind of created to be comic book superheroes. And they were fed this this brief family alien takeover lie. And it's kind of not making sense to them at this point. And the and Piccolo's kind of able to break through and tell them to think about it. And you know this doesn't make sense. And right about the time that they're kind of coming back around and the fight's kind of dying down, this is when Supercell just burst from the ground in this monstrous entrance, this huge kaiju cell arrives unseen and uh, they make it pretty clear that he's on a whole different level than any of them. Yes. And this is, I mean, this is basically our, our final fight here. So we even, we get the gammas going up against cell max. We get piccolo, we get Gohan. We also get a few other people arriving on the scene with Bulma, Goten, Trunks, and 18, and Krillin. And they all kind of pitch into the fight. And Gamma 2 kind of takes it on himself as they are just struggling against Cell Max uh, to just supercharge his body, more or less uh, kind of the equivalent of like the bombs that 1718 and 16 had inside of their, their bodies, uh, but just gives his entire life force into one attack to go after cell max. And he does some serious damage, but just breaks through cells arm uh, instead of hitting what they had indicated was the weak spot, which was right on the crown of his head. And it, it weakens cell, but cell is still strong enough to take on even our new orange piccolo and even ultimate gohan he's not having a hard time 
Yeah, and it's the sort of, um, you know, all hands on deck sort of fight where everybody's doing everything they can to to kind of save the day and do what they need to do to, to get things done. Piccolo remembers that he can grow really big. That was pretty cool. Krillin has to remind him, which is hilarious. <laughs> that was pretty much Krillin's contribution to everything. Hey, man, Krillin got one hit in with a Destructo disc, so... Mm, classic move. Love that guy. <laughs> Love that guy. Yeah, we get him there. I, I was a little disappointed, though, because I thought 18 would have a little bit more input on the situation. I completely agree with you. So there's one scene, one, it's a, it's a brief moment where Cell Max goes after 18 and you can see the absolute fear and horror on her face because this is the form of Cell that ate her, that absorbed her. And so you can just see the fear in her face, but I wish we would have gotten some more dialogue or like some some more about the trauma that she's experiencing going through this a second time. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the red ribbon army. I'm sure she has absolutely no love for, for them in her heart. If anything, she probably has a, a pretty strong hatred towards them. I mean, shoot her and, uh, 17, like they pretty much blew everything up and torched the place when, when they left, even in, um, Trunks's future timeline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I I was glad that they included her, but I wish they would have done a little bit more with her. You could tell that they put her in this situation because of Sal Max being there, but they just didn't expand on it, unfortunately. Yeah, it feels like it it doesn't feel bad, but it doesn't feel good either. It just feels like a mixed oppor- missed op- opportunity right there. Like it could have been a lot better. I agree. I I want to at the end, I want to talk about another missed opportunity, too. But there's a few of them in here. Uh, But still, overall, very good. And as we kind of wrap up this fight, we we I mean, Gamma 2 gave his life to injure Cell. At this point, Piccolo tells Gohan, hey, you know, charge your strongest attack. I'll hold him off. And then you blast his head with everything you've got. And then Cell Max beats the snot out of Piccolo to the point where he's lifting him bodily into the air and just like shouting out like a, like a monster in triumph over his prey. And this is where Gohan snaps. Yeah. We get to see Gohan kind of hit that, that next level sort of thing. Um, I, would you call it a mystic form level two or something like that? I don't really know how to describe it. So there, there, there is, there are two names out there for it. They both are terrible. They, <laughs> they're calling it either final Gohan or beast Gohan. Oh geez. That's I'm just going to call it mystic form too. Cause that <laughs> there's no way. I feel like beast form should be a name you reserve for like the final form sort of thing. Like, yes, this is it. I think this is just the taste, right? Like this is. I mean, we'll see if it goes anywhere. I feel like with Gohan, we've been kind of teased with with a next level or a higher form or superpower for so long that I just don't trust it at this point. Me neither. But yeah, he he gets a new transformation. And visually, even for the the scene where like the literal snap of the red line appearing behind his head, it's 100 percent a nostalgia throwback to him fighting Cell in the Cell Saga and transforming into Super Saiyan 2. 
Yeah, and we see once again that big power boost that he has. And yeah, he's doing pretty well, but Piccolo decides to kind of get back in and get involved again. And this is where we see um, something that I I honestly liked it. It kind of came out of left field, but this is where we see Gohan getting ready to use, I guess, an attack that we've only ever seen on one other character. So this is great. We see Gohan with his two fingers to his forehead charging a Makankosa Po or a special beam cannon. <laughs> a maca- I think I said it right that time. <laughs> a Makasa, a, a Makasin. <laughs> charging his moccasins. And, <laughs> uh, but this is while Piccolo is still like at this point grappling on to sell. And I mean, the, the special beam cannon is the perfect attack for this. It's a very precise attack. And so Gohan is able to fire the special beam cannon such that it hits right in the crown of Cell's forehead, completely missing Piccolo and destroying and defeating Cell. So I'm going to cruise through the end. Um, so Cell's defeated. Uh, Gamma 2 does not make it out of the fight. His his all-in attack uses up every bit of energy he has, and so he doesn't recover. But... Gamma One and Hedo are still kind of kicking it around, and they seem like they're probably going to be good guys. And um, other than that, we've got a post-credit scene where we have Goku and Vegeta fighting on Beerus's planet, and uh, oh, also Broly's there. I should probably mention that, because um, why not? Why not? But we get a scene of both of them just absolutely spent and just exasperated and we see piccolo just i finally did it Uh, i beat kakarot (laughs) yes yeah vegeta is uh vegeta lands one final blow uh and we didn't even mention goku vegeta and broly because honestly they're not really in this movie they Mm -hmm. they show up briefly to start a fight in like the first quarter of the movie and then they end their fight in the end credits scene and it's it's a great scene i i love and i love the scene with vegeta beating goku and but honestly they have a few gags with like a an ice cream bucket that covers weese's staff so that balma can't call him and we kind of glossed over some of that but we glossed over it mostly because this movie is not about goku and vegeta and it's fantastic because of it (laughs) yes it's so much better i'm so happy because you don't know i feel like we've seen goku and vegeta win the day or you know find victory through the exact same ways so many times and it's just they're gonna do it with them out of the picture it's a wide open field at that point anybody could do anything and it makes it so much more entertaining yeah yeah i mean we we've wrapped up that we've wrapped up our summary basically of the story. Uh, so I think we can just kind of talk about the, the whole thing as, as an entire piece. I want to make one last little note. I like that Gohan has the special beam cannon because I feel like you should always have a move from your mentor. And just like Goku learned the Kamehameha from Roshi makes sense that Gohan would learn the special beam cannon from, um, from Piccolo. And in similar fashion, they didn't actually teach them. They just picked it up. I mean, there's even a, a comment in there where Piccolo's like, what the heck was that technique that you just used? And Gohan's like, 
I guess it was kind of like a special beam cannon. He's like, where'd you learn that? He's like, I've been working on it. <laughs> I love it. I think it's, it's fan. It's wholesome. This movie is so freaking wholesome. Uh, I mean, this movie, it, it has its problems, but it hits so many points for the fans so freaking well. Like it, it has comedy from it in that feels like original Dragon Ball and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel forced like some of the comedy in Dragon Ball Super. It doesn't feel cringy like some of the original Dragon Ball comedy oh, God, would today. Yeah. I, it hits every mark so, so well. I mean, the action, even in, we'll talk about the animation here shortly, but even in this kind of 3D animation, the fight scenes look spectacular. I really enjoyed the choreography and actually getting to see every punch and every kick really cleanly. And the the music is really well done this kind of like superhero themed music that feels really engaging and and exciting well they're trying uh, to be over the top right and they they don't hold back even with all the big scenes where you got the kablows and the kabooms and stuff like that and the characters are all doing poses and all these other things like they're really going over the top with it and on top of that it, i will say that there was nothing in this movie that really like full stop brought me out of it. Nothing through cold water on me. I watched the whole movie and got to the end. I was just like, you know what? That was actually a pretty smooth watch. There's nothing that ruined it for me. So I want to bring up a couple of things that I didn't like, or at least I was torn on. Not uh, liking something's different than just uh, like really being put off by something. There are some things that I can critique, but nothing in here really like made me hate this movie. I, I think overall it's, yeah, nothing was terrible. It's real good, uh, which is why I still have to bring up the the points that I I was not a fan of. Uh, the so I, I mentioned earlier that there is one big big missed opportunity in this movie for a movie that is titled Dragon Ball Super Superhero. There is no mention. Of the great Saiyan man. I'm fine. I'm so fine. That was the best part about this movie. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Love that we don't have to deal with Saiyan man anymore. I love Saiyan man. And I was so disappointed that a movie called Superhero had nothing to do with the great Saiyan man. <laughs> oh, jeez. So when, when, when Gohan came to the city, was he in high school or college? I forget. He was in high school. He was, he was 18 years old. Okay. Or, so yeah. Orange Star High School. So can we go ahead and just like, I would love a reference to it. And then him just be like, uh, that was something I did in high school. I don't really do that anymore. Cause that would, I would love the reference, but I don't actually want say a man at the, I, I, they don't even need say a man at the very least a reference, like a reference like that would have been fine. Or even like if you see, so when Gohan goes and fights the gammas, and then he sees them posing. He could have been like, God. <laughs> oh, oh, you guys have some really cool poses or, oh, God, I wouldn't use that pose. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, why not just throw some Ginyu in there? We can have uh, the the Gamma Ginyu Gohan. Oh, they're all G's. Uh, just showdown where everyone's just 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 posing as hard as they can. Triple G. I'm I am here for it. I would watch that so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my thing is, is um, I think Super really made me just to have a bad taste in my mouth about say a man, but the way this movie did everything, I mean, honestly, they probably would have done it. Well, I can't really count it out. 
Yeah, I can't blame you on on Say a Man and Super. It was not really good, but I I appreciate uh, Say a Man in the Boo Saga, and so I I wish they would have at least just had a little mention, just a little little thing that tied into Great Say a Man. But that was one thing that I was a little bit disappointed on. The other thing I have to bring up, have to bring up, is the designs for those transformations. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, it didn't bother me because it's such par for the course. It's we've seen that kind of transformation where it's just like, oh, yellow hair, slightly spikier yellow hair with some electricity, longer yellow hair like DBZ or Dragon Ball has not been known for clever transformations pretty much at all. No, and I mean, that's fine. I love Dragon Ball. I'm used to that. However... Gohan's hair in Final Gohan, Beast Gohan, whatever you call it, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. His bang, if you go back and look at it, his big bang in front of his face is literally larger than his entire <laughs> head. And his hair goes out. I don't need, like, it looks like Super Saiyan 2 on crack. Like You mean Super Saiyan 3, right? How, how do you feel about Super Saiyan 3? Yeah, but at least Super Saiyan 3... It, they, it, they got rid of the eyebrows. The hair came from somewhere. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> exactly. It transferred. <laughs> um, so to me, I, I feel like that form and the hair, like I know they're doing the nostalgia throwback for Super Saiyan 2. They literally do it in the animation. Uh, but... The only way that I could really accept that form and the way that it looks is if it were satire. If the show were literally making fun of itself for being like, hey, you know, we got these ridiculous hairdos and these ridiculous transformations. Well, we're kind of making fun of ourselves now. (laughs) You know, it's I, I don't think it bothered me because it's happened so many times. And I also my thing is, is this isn't. I feel like this is a first step transformation for Gohan. So I don't think this is going to be something that's going to kick around for very long. I think this is just a, just beginnings sort of thing, but I mean, it's, I don't know. I, it didn't really bother me a whole bunch. I wasn't impressed by it. It's not like I liked it, but it, to me, it just fit in with everything else I had seen. It's not like say, I don't know. Like I really don't like ultra instinct as a, as a visual medium. Like it, I think it is one of the lamest looking transformations. I do think some of the mechanics behind it are interesting, but I think visually, I think it is one of the most bankrupt transformations. Whereas this one was just par for the course for me. It's funny because Ultra Instinct is one of the ones that out of, at least out of the new transformations that I like more than the others. I I feel like what you're describing for Ultra Instinct, and I, I kind of understand where you're going with that. I feel that way about the Super Saiyan God transformation where I'm like, uh, it's just like a, it's just like Kaioken, except he's skinny. That one, that one was only around and relevant for about 10 seconds. So that's just a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but we're kind of getting off on a transformation tangent. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. That's a whole, that's uh, yeah. Let's not go into that. There's a, there's a ton we could talk about that with, but yeah. I do agree with you. Um, Gohan's transformation. Honestly, it doesn't even, it, it doesn't really excite me at all and that's something that's you know it's pretty par for the course for dragon ball it would have been nice to see something kind of cool and relevant um piccolo the same thing adding an orange hint to him it would have been nice just to see something a little bit more impressive 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the transformations are at the point where they're just palette swaps or their hair changes. And uh, honestly, one of the coolest transformations is from one of the lesser well-received movies in Dragon Ball Z, in my opinion, where Frieza's brother Cooler transformed into his shredder version. I, I don't know what else to call him, but it actually changes his form. He gets these cool spikes and this cool mask and it's very nineties, but at least he trained changes his appearance. Yeah. It's like, Oh wow. Okay. That's something that I can recognize. <laughs> or it's just like, Oh, he's blue now. Oh, he's red now. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're just going through the rainbow, but, but it, it's, it's a minor nitpick for a movie that is otherwise very good. I let's, I, I mean, unless you had anything else about the movie as a whole, Dayton, uh, we could probably jump to the animation. Yeah, I mean, we're we're kind of kind of now that we've gone to the story, I think everything's on the table at this point. And with with the animation, I will say from the get go, the the kind of 3D animation stuff I do not like. I don't think it looks well. Um, I will say for this movie, it it's done about as well as I think you could do with that that format mind you if it was actually animated by hand i think it would have looked 10 times more beautiful but it i don't think it was bad some of the explosions and action scenes looked well but i will say there's a big difference between kind of the artistic take on motion versus a computer generated like moving motion there's a lot of impact that's lost and there's also a lot of emotion that can't be conveyed to the same level that natural artists can do. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I think Dayton's going to be the better one to critique that because I actually, I visually enjoyed it. I, I definitely agree with a number of your points, Dayton, but I was, I was impressed with what they did in this format. And I really enjoyed the fights. I I liked being able to see the fights clearly. I think one thing that 3D animation has above 2D animation, at least for sake of ease in making this happen, is that 3D animation can basically take what would be the camera quotes and swing it around a scene so that you get this kind of cool dynamic panning fight shot that you can't easily get with animation you could do it but they they used it to pretty good effect multiple times in the movie and i liked that but yeah there are there are times where the the models look a little bit stiff or they just look a little bit awkward but honestly they were for me they were few and far between yeah and my thing is is when when i look at this final fight in the animation i don't think any of this makes it into my top five favorite even amongst just Dragon Ball movies. In terms of, you're talking about just in terms of the fight and the animation, is the, that right? The final fight, the big payoff, the big battle where all the budget's going, all the the pretty blasts and the choreography and all that stuff. I don't think this makes it into my top five, even just amongst Dragon Ball movies. Ooh. Yeah. I would be torn if if we were talking just the movies, it would probably be like number five or number six for me. But I can see where you're coming from. I I mean, that that's an even deeper topic for me where I I would have liked to have seen more of Gohan Beast. He gets like he does two things and that's it. Uh, hey, but there's an episode right there where we can talk about our favorite uh, 
our our favorite movie battle scenes and oh, compare yeah. and contrast. Yeah, that, that that might be coming. Oh yeah, we will have to do that. But yeah, I I think that the fights are are well done. They're fun to watch, uh, but they mm, they also don't have a ton of emotional weight, which might be part of the reason why I don't like it as much. Um, but there's there's a lot tied into that. As far as just strictly the animation, I think the fights looked fun, looked good. Uh, it didn't look like like people are calling it PS2 graphics and all this stuff. <laughs> like it's not that bad. It's no. it's not that bad. But uh, that's most of the only other thing I'll say about the animation is that while I was worried about them being kind of stiff and awkward, there are actually moments where they kind of like stretch the models in ways where they get these kind of wacky anime expressions like goku at one point like stretches his mouth and face out and it looks really to me it looked really fun like it looked like something that you would expect to see in animation and would not expect to see in 3d so i thought they did a pretty good job i I think the animation i think it doesn't bother me as much as it maybe would in another movie because the the tone of this was a little bit more lighthearted and just fan service based and it this movie knew what it wanted it to be which was just i think it just wanted to be fun and so the fact that the animation wasn't top tier level didn't bother me because i'm just here for some fan service and some laughs and just a good time and so it kind of worked for me yeah i mean the movie is not this is not a fighting movie the 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 movie is not about the fight the movie is about the characterization between Piccolo, Pan, Gohan, and the Gammas, really. Uh, but and then you've got some, you know, some fighting in there because it's Dragon Ball. You got to have fighting. Yeah. So for, for me, I still don't. This didn't make me like the 3D animation style. But I'm going to give it a pass on this one because I don't think it distracted from what the movie was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good points. I. The only other thing that I want to say too is that. Because the last movie that we had before Superhero was Dragon Ball Super Broly, which arguably is the best animation that Dragon Ball has ever had. Oh my Some God, of that the... mesh of actual animation with 3D, just seamless. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah, some of the best... Almost seamless. I sent you a couple of clips, but anyway... Uh... Good point. Some of the <laughs> best fight animation that Dragon Ball has ever had, probably anime has ever had. And we're coming from that to this 3D animation. I can see why some Dragon Ball fans are turned off. Well, and my thing is, is the uh, the Battle of the Gods movie was fantastic, too. Like the animation that was really good. And also right. watch that rather than Super. It's just strictly better. Absolutely. But we've pretty much given our take on the animation i think our next point is going to be the the sound as well as voice acting so i i personally like the english dub i grew up on it so i can't tell if it's because we have good voice acting or if it's just because those are voices i recognize and just really really like have an attachment to but i'm not going to comment on the old characters because most of the most of the same cast came back to voice them um but I think it's going to be like Magenta, um, the Gammas, Hedo. Um, I'm not going to talk about Cell Max because that's just yelling, um, which is fine. But um, I actually I like the voice acting for the Gammas. Um, it, they were fine. I don't know if they were really compelling, but I also don't know if their characters were really written that way. So I I don't know. The voice acting overall was pretty good. Um, the music, I think... 
my rule of thumb is that if I don't notice the music, then it's doing its job. And I really didn't have any complaints. The music seemed like it fit the setting just about every time something was happening. So I think they probably did a good job in the score. It's one of those things where, because I've only seen it once in theater, I usually need to watch these, you know, two, three, four times to really start picking out each individual detail. But it sounds like, I think they probably did a good job in the music. I think the voice acting was fine. I think the gammas were, were fine. I, overall, I think audio wise, I think it was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I, I would agree. It, Magenta, one of the funny details here is that they brought in the voice actor, Charles Martinet, who is the voice of Mario to play <laughs> Magenta. That. <laughs> That's hilarious. The stature works. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a perfect fit, right? And so I thought that was pretty a funny little detail. I I liked I mean, obviously our, you know, Sean Schemmel and Chris Sabat are are great. And I liked I liked what we had for the gammas. I I think I liked Gamma 2 better, but that's partly because his writing is his character is much more interesting. He's he's meant to be kind of the shining star in this movie. I mean, obviously outside of pan and piccolo, of course, but he, well, he's mean, kind of the standout compare it to, I guess to some of the voice acting we heard in super to kind of compare a little bit more apples to apples, more recent dragon ball releases. There's some really awful voice acting in super. Like I'm just going to say it flat out. There is some bad voice acting. Whereas in this, nothing really stood out to me as really out of place. So yeah, I mean, Maybe it's one of those things where I didn't mind the gammas. I thought they were fine. I wonder what they could do if they had, a, a, I guess, a larger role in the movie, more lines, because we really didn't hear a ton from them. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And then as far as the music goes, I already mentioned I, I love the music. It has a very comic book superhero sound to it. And I like that Toei Animation is is trying to do something different like they did with Broly. They had almost like this tribal sounding sort of music where they were like chanting the fighters names for Broly, which I wasn't sure how I felt about it first, but on a second watch, I really liked. And then they're doing something new for this movie too, where it's very thematic for the the movie and this, the theme that they're going for. So it's super fun. It's definitely super fun. And like I said, I, I wasn't paying attention to it, but I don't remember it distracting me so that it must've done a good job because I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess since I said that, let's get into our final thoughts and opinions. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Like I said, I, that I was very hesitant because of that 3D animation style. I'm not a huge fan of it, but because of they set the tone for the movie, they followed through with it. The the comedy was on point and made sense within the universe to happen. So all the laughs I had were not at the expense of a character, but it was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's absolutely something that would happen. And um, the fighting was the fighting was good. Um, the new characters, I thought, were they fit right in. I don't know. I've I like this movie for very different reasons than I like most other Dragon Ball movies. I very much agree. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say flat out. This is one of my favorite Dragon Ball movies. Oh, they shoot. they did such a good job. I think they delivered on a lot of things that the fans were were asking for. I think a lot of the fan base wants to see characters other than Goku and Vegeta. 
And I think they want, they want characters like Piccolo, like Gohan and even the other Z fighters to be relevant and just giving us in a way, I mean, this isn't necessarily a slice of life story, but there's just lots of great little character beats, even little things like Piccolo has a cell phone that he grabs with two fingers and it has this little plushy case on it because it was given <laughs> to him by Gohan and Videl. And then little details like Pan giving Piccolo the water because Piccolo doesn't eat food and water's all he needs to survive. And there are so many little things. Oh, Piccolo scratching the glass to get Gohan's attention, which is so it's so weird and awkward and feels very piccolo. It's, it's just a great detail. And there's lots of stuff filled throughout this movie like that. And I love it. I, I think they did such a good job. I just, I think I have, I have hopes that there's something or some things from this movie that carry forward, right? Like we actually see that power up for piccolo and we see some more care. Like if this is the movie that brings more of our favorite characters in line, with the other characters in the series, <laughs> Goku and uh, Vegeta, then that's amazing. If this is kind of the, you know, the love letter to the fans where it's just like, we heard you, your characters are going to be more relevant. And here's the, here's the tune up for them. So that way they can start mattering again. Then I will have completely like uh, passing grades across the board, but I'm a little worried that this is just a, like a fan service movie that won't be relevant. The second, the, the, the next series or the next, you know, story arc starts. I'm really worried about that. I mean, the funny thing is there's, there are people asking is Dragon Ball super superhero canon are the transformations that Gohan and Piccolo received canon because not only, so we, we go through a time jump here, right? We're three years ahead of the end of Dragon Ball super, the anime. However, in the manga, the story for Dragon Ball Super continues past the Tournament of Power, but there's oh, no shit. time skip. So we're following Goku and Vegeta and the others in this like three year time period between the Tournament of Power and Superhero. And so, I mean, when are they going to... Okay, so it's not canon. Got it. <laughs> yeah. When are they going to kind of reline the timeline here? Yeah, it's, it's all right. That it loses some points for me if it's not going to. If none of this is canon, then it's just a, a cool, fun flick. If it is canon, which it sounds like it can't really be canon with the manga. Oh, boy. Well. Have fun with that, guys. <laughs> I mean, it could it could still be canon with the manga. Technically, it would just basically happen further down the road because there's nothing there's nothing in superhero that contradicts what's happened in the manga so far. So they haven't, you know, stabbed themselves in the foot with that one yet. But I'm curious to see where they go. Like, is the manga going to jump forward so that it's in line with the superhero movie now? Uh, Cause they just finished the, the granola arc uh, in at the same time that superhero was released. Literally the last chapter was released the same day, August 19th. Um, so maybe they'll jump forward. Uh, but a lot of people are saying now too, that the manga and the anime or even the anime and the movies are kind of their own separate, deals but i don't Gosh. know i don't know all what's, right. 
I guess I guess only time will tell at this point. Uh, I have no idea. I don't even know if they know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't think they do, but probably not. Like you said, this this movie was kind of it was built as a love letter, kind of fan servicey sort of thing, but it was great. They did an excellent job, and I'm happy that they made it. All right. Uh, so uh, give me a score out of 10. 1 to 10, what do you rate this movie? This movie is a solid 9 for me. Solid 9. Like, uh, the only problems that I have with it were towards the end with, like, Cell. I think Cell was a missed opportunity with Gohan, too, and getting those interactions. I think the transformations were kind of weak. The fight was not the best fight on the planet. But those aren't the focus of the movie. So... Everything else about the movie, phenomenal. (laughs) All right. I give it a, I'm at a seven out of 10 is what I give it. Really? Yeah. And I'm not entirely settled into that. We'll see if this has some long-term effects, it could move up. If this has no long-term effects, it might move down. I don't know. Um, Like I said, the the final battles are, are fun. They're neat. This is a fun movie. I enjoyed it. And I I give it a six or a seven because I think it's a, it's an above average Dragon Ball movie. I think there's a lot of mediocre movies out there, especially when you're talking about the old 90s movies. And I think this is better than those. But I think time will tell if this is a truly excellent movie or if this is just a cool one off fairy tale that uh, I got to live in for a little bit. Yeah, and that's a that's a good point. It's it's always interesting to me to see how I feel about Dragon Ball movies in particular after one year, two years, three years and rewatching them. Uh, I've already watched Dragon Ball superhero or super superhero. God damn it. That name. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I've watched it three times already. And each time I've, I've loved it. I've enjoyed every little detail in it, uh, but I might feel differently five years down the road. Heck yeah. All right. Well, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap this thing up? I don't think so. I still gush longer than I intended to. And... <laughs> it's hard not to. I mean, once you get into the swing, it's fun to talk about Dragon Ball. I guess, it's, yeah. I guess that's why we're doing this. Absolutely. But I think that that's going to be it for this episode of Instant Transmission's Instant Reaction. This has been your host, Todd. And Dayton. Be sure to join us next time for another instant reaction whenever we decide to do another one. But keep an eye out for our full review of Dragon Ball Super Superhero in the near future, even though I almost turned this into a full review. And as of this recording, Superhero is out in theaters, so be sure to get out and see this excellent movie to support our favorite half Saiyan and Namekian. And to all our fellow Dragon Ball fans, stay safe out there, and remember to keep rocking the dragon. Yeah, the phone music doesn't work very well, so uh, we're we're, we're going to go with silence this round.
Ben <laughs> <laughs>